0: you believe that would you stand to your feet one more time and give the Lord 30 seconds of your highest praise hallelujah 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 oh the Lord is worthy of our praise great is the Lord great is the Lord greatly to be praised hallelujah I will bless the Lord at all times His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Come on, boast in the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to Judges chapter 6. I believe the Lord has a word for you this morning. I believe God wants to stir up some things in your heart. I believe you are here by divine design. You are not here by accident this morning. Amen. And the Lord has something for you. Turn to the person next to you say, the Lord has a word. Amen. He has a word for you. We're gonna look at a passage of scripture that we looked at a couple of weeks ago but we're gonna build upon it. And I wanna talk to you about dealing with the tension. Dealing with the tension. Tension is the state of being stretched. Either of two balancing forces causing or tending to cause tension. When we talk about tension, it is that pulling force that acts along a stretch, connect, stretched connector such as a rope or a cable, is called tension. I'm going to ask a couple of my my helpers to come. If you just come quickly, with that rope. Now I want to show you what tension is. Now, okay, here's just let it loose a little bit. See, right now there's there's no tension. There's slack. Right? But now if you pull that, see this, this force here that, that I'm holding basically is the tension of the two ropes or the rope being pulled in different directions. Right. And I believe right in this place, we're all dealing with a tension. Yeah. We're all dealing with the tension of being pulled or pulling. From what we know God has to where we're at today. Maybe God has given us a promise, but we're not necessarily living in the fulfillment of that promise. And what that is, is the tension between the two. Between where we know we should be at and the place we are at. So I want to talk to you this morning about the tension. Pull it real real tight. See, this is the tension. Now, let it go. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a slacker. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a slacker. Amen. We want the tension. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep that in mind this morning as we look into the Word of God. Now, I'm talking about the spiritual tension that we all live with, the tension between past experiences and present realities, The tension between a prophetic word we received and maybe the uh, pathetic circumstances we're living in. What God has called you to be versus your spiritual inability that you are experiencing. What God has said you are and maybe your fearful state or condition. You see, the tension is actually good. If there's no tension, that means you've given up. If there's no tension, that means there's nothing pulling you. If there's no tension, there's nothing calling you to a higher plane. You know, I like to say it this way. You know, when when people talk about walking with God and following Jesus and the discipleship process, they say it's a struggle. But the struggle is good. Because if you were not struggling, that means you're going with the flow. That means you're not even fighting anymore. That means you're just going along and there's nothing really challenging you anymore. So if you're struggling, if there's a tension, that's good. So the question this morning is, what do we do when there is a gap between what we know God wants us to be and where we're at? What we've heard God do in another time or another place in what we're experiencing. That's that's what I want to talk about, dealing with that tension. How, as a believer, a follower of Jesus, one who has a hunger for the things of God, how do you deal with that tension? If you turn with me to Judges chapter 6, we're going to look at Gideon again. We looked at it two weeks ago, and uh, we want to add to it, we want to build upon that message And we talked about, or we entitled the message, Tell me who I am again. Tell me who I am again. We're going to look at a man called Gideon. He was a man of God who would become a mighty warrior for God. He was called a man of valor. That means a man of great strength and a man of great courage. See, Gideon was called by God to bring deliverance and victory for God's people. But when we look in the passage of Scripture, we're going to see that where we find him is not where God wanted him to be. The condition he was in was not really the prophetic word that God was about to give him. So there was a tension, there was a gap that Gideon was dealing with. He was was at a place where, you know, he was in fear, he was in discouragement, and God was calling him to something higher. I believe God is calling every one of us to something higher. I believe he's calling us to something greater. I believe God is challenging us to rise up. The Bible says that we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from victory to victory. There might be a valley through that process. So I don't wanna say there might, there will be a valley, but the thing is that's not where we're called to be. We're called to go from faith to faith. From victory to victory, from glory to glory. We find Gideon, he's in fear, he's in lack, he's in weakness. But as we look at this very ordinary man, we're going to look at how he dealt or how he lived with the tension. Because he viewed himself in one way, but God viewed him in a totally different way. You see, he had a tough time reconciling what God had done in times past with what God was doing at that moment. How could he be strong when he was so weak? And isn't that the tension that we all deal with? If we're going to be honest, I know it's hard to be honest sometimes. I know in the church it's hard to be honest because sometimes we're afraid people are going to judge us right? Isn't that true? And, and we, we, we put on a, a spiritual facade, a veneer, and, and we, we act the part, we say the right words, and we present ourselves in a certain way. And sometimes it's hard to be honest because we're afraid people are going to judge us, people are going to categorize us in a certain way, uh, people are going to maybe, maybe even pull away from us. And, and, and we, we struggle with that, and, and, and we, we have to be honest before God. So the question is, how do you live in that tension, knowing God has more for you, knowing he's given you visions and dreams, knowing God has touched you in some profound, and significant ways, but now you're not experiencing the reality of it. You're not seeing the fulfillment of it. Let's look in the scriptures. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a passage of scripture we read before, and we're going to read it again, and we're going to get it in our heart, we're going to get it in our spirit, and everyone said... Now the angel of the Lord came, this is Judges 6 verse 11, un, and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joas the Abizarite, and while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Where was Gideon at? He was threshing wheat in a winepress. How many of you know that that's an oxymoron? Uh, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You crush grapes in a wine press. You thresh wheat in an open area. So that speaks of his, of his fear. He's, he's trying to hide. That also speaks of his lack because he doesn't have a great harvest. He doesn't need a wide open area. He needs a small restricted area. And so here is Gideon. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. He's living in fear. He's living in lack. But how does God approach him? Look at verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Wow. Here's the Lord coming to Gideon, an ordinary person, just like you and I, here he is having a struggle, here he is in fear, here he is in lack, here he is in not living up to his full potential, and what does God do? How does God approach him? The Lord says to him, you're a mighty man of war. The Lord is speaking life to him. The Lord is speaking faith to him. The Lord is speaking a promise to him. And that's what God does. God does not see you the way man sees you. God does not see you the way you see yourself. God sees you in what you can become and who you are in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. What was Gideon's response? Look at verse 13. If God is with us, I know none of you have ever said that. I know none of you have ever wondered and said, God, if you're with me and and maybe even you're hearing the message this morning or you've been in church and you hear a testimony, you hear of the great things God has done in someone else's life or what God can do in your life and you say, yeah, right. If God is for us, why is this all happening? Why am I going through this? Where are all the miracles our fathers told us about? Has not the Lord forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the enemy? Now, what's interesting, if you go back to verse 1, it says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You go back to verse 10 of the same chapter, God, God was saying, you have not obeyed my voice, he was speaking to the whole nation. And, and you know, what, what, is, what is really interesting is the people of God were in that condition because they had made some bad choices, You know, and and we have to understand, God will not overrule your choices. You sometimes will have to suffer some of the consequences. You see, it's easy to be angry at God for your circumstances than take responsibility for the mistakes. Oh, I don't know if you heard me. I don't know if that's encouraging you or not this morning. But that's how we get out of denial and we get into healing and we get into deliverance. When we come to the place of acknowledging the responsibilities and asking God to forgive us, asking God to change our heart, asking God to restore us. And you see, sometimes the mistakes that we have made, we don't want to take responsibility, but those are the very things that got us into the mess that we're in. You'll never get out until you take responsibility for the bad choices you made. And see, here was the people, here were the people of God, and God was, God was still coming to them in His mercy and His grace. Aren't you glad God does not leave you where you're at? Aren't you glad He is a God of mercy? He is a God of grace. So how do we deal with this tension? I want to encourage you with a few thoughts as we try to tie this all together. Number one, speak what God speaks. Speak what God speaks. What was God saying to him? You are a mighty man of valor. He looked like anything but a mighty man of valor. He's in fear. He's in lack. He is, he's going to go on and say and list all of his credentials why he shouldn't be chosen. He's saying, I'm the least... I'm, my 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 tribe is the least. My family's the least. He had all these excuses, but you know what God said to him? You're a mighty man of courage. You're a person of courage. This morning, I want to ask you: Do you see yourself how God sees you, or do you see yourself maybe through the filter of the words people have spoken over you, or even maybe what you think about yourself? I want to do a little survey. Has anybody in the last week or the last month had a negative thought about themselves? Well, good, I'm in the right place. I want to make sure I was in the right church this morning. The reality of it is we all deal with that tension as opposed to what God has called us, who we are, and what he's called us to be. We have to understand what God's word says about us. We are made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. We are more than conquerors. Amen? We are chosen and we are highly favored. Amen. We are the head and not the tail. When we read the scriptures, when we read the, the letters of Paul, each letter is very interesting. You know what he starts off and he says? He's writing to churches just like you and I back just 2,000 years ago. Just we're only removed by 2,000 years, but it was the same... Uh, same understanding of God, His Word, and and who we are in Christ. And you know what he would say? He would write to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Galatia. In Romans, he would say, "Call to be saints." We're called. now now please don't be thinking of a halo over the head. Don't be thinking of Saint Mary, Saint Anne, Saint Thomas. Think of Saint Tara, Saint Douglas. We are all called to be saints, not ain'ts, but saints. And what that means is chosen ones, set apart ones, holy ones. That's what we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. So you need to wake up in the morning, you need to look to yourself and call yourself, I'm saint, and you fill in the blank, whatever your name is. Now the story is told of two very rich brothers and in the community, and they were both very mean. They were scoundrels. They were very uh, uh, dishonest in so many ways. And, and it came about that one of the brothers died. So the other brother came to the pastor and said, I'm going to give you $5,000 when you do the funeral. How many of you know funerals are not cheap? This is a little excessive. 5000 I'm going to give you 5000 but you need to say that my brother was a saint. <laughs> Pastor looked at the money. He thought for a second, put it in his pocket. He said, I'll do it. The funeral came. Now, everybody in the congregation, everybody in the community knew both of these brothers were, were mean. They were, they were scoundrels. They were, they were, they were, just, they were not nice people. So, so the pastor gets up and he's doing the sermon. He's doing the eulogy. And he goes on and he says, the, the departed, the deceased here this morning, we all know he was a scoundrel. We all know he was mean. We all know he was dishonest. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. You see... We're called to be saints, amen? This morning we have to understand that compared to who we once were, we are saints. I like what John Newton said, I am not what I want to be, I am not what I will be, but praise God, I am not what I used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am, you see, there's that tension between what we are called to and what we are. But we want to we live with that tension because we know that God is working in us to become all that he's called us to be. I want you to turn with me, and I want you to see this because this is powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to see the word of God. Again, we're talking about how to deal with that tension. We have to speak what God speaks about us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, and not many noble are called. It didn't say none or no mighty. It just says not many. But, listen, look, but God has chosen... The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Look at verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Look at the next verse. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Now get this. But in him, you are... In Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Who is Christ? Who are we in Christ? We are wise. We are righteous. We are sanctified. We are redeemed. The next verse, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Listen, when you declare what God, uh, who God says you are, you are bringing glory to God because you are focusing on what he did and not who you are, but what he has done in you. It's false humility not to speak of those things. It's false humility that dishonors God. Hello? But when you stand up and say, I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the sanctification of Christ. I am the holiness of Christ. I am righteous. We are declaring what God says about us. What he did on the cross became our righteousness or became righteousness for us. I heard a preacher tell this story. There was a, in his congregation, there was a, a martial arts professional. Just um, at, at the top of his profession, he was um, just, just uh, an expert, really, in his field. And he was so disciplined. You know, to do, to do the martial arts, you have to be disciplined. Amen? You don't just roll out of bed uh, and, and exercise for three minutes and, and think you're going to be a martial arts. There's hours of training and discipline. Now, this man was a Christian, but he was struggling with pornography. He was having this struggle, and he couldn't overcome it with all his discipline. How many of you know you can't overcome the flesh with just discipline? You can't overcome sin with discipline. Discipline's good, don't misunderstand me, but you need more than discipline. You need the work and the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ. So here he is struggling, but he knew better, but he couldn't overcome it. You know what he began to do? He heard a message on the righteousness of Christ and that he was righteous in Christ because that's his position. That might not have been his experience, but that is who he was and who he is in Christ. You know what he began doing? Even when he was struggling, even when he was sinning with pornography, he kept saying, I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am righteous in Christ. He kept declaring that, he kept speaking that, and then he was delivered from, the sin because he understood and knew who he was in Jesus Christ maybe you have another struggle maybe you have another sin maybe you're battling something else maybe it's another addiction you need to declare I am the righteousness of Christ in Christ I am righteous sin shall not have dominion over me because it is no longer I that lives but it's Christ that lives in me And the life that I now live I live by faith in the son of God who gave himself for me The Bible says if righteousness came through the works of the flesh or the works of the law, then Christ died in vain. He died on a cross. He exchanged, uh, he took our sin that we might have his righteousness. And this morning, we have to speak what God has said about us. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, when, when man saw a liar, God saw the father of the faithful in Abraham. When man just saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king. When man saw a cheater, God saw a prince with God. When he saw a persecutor, God saw an apostle in Paul. When man saw a teenage girl, God saw the mother of Jesus. And in Gideon, when man and when even Gideon was a fearful farmer, God saw a mighty man of valor. How do we deal with the tension? Number two, speak what God has done. Speak what God has done. Look at verse 13. What is verse 13? What is is Gideon saying? He's saying, where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? You see, there was a tension of what he had heard back then of what God did and what he was experiencing right then. I want to encourage you this morning. Speak What God has done. Isn't that what the Bible is? The Bible is a record of God's mighty works, which he has done on the behalf of his children. What he has done on the behalf of the Israelites and behalf of the prophets and and the apostles and and the church. This is is a, a record of all of God's mighty working power. We need to read it, we need to rehearse it, we need to meditate upon it, we need to memorize it, we need to speak it back to God, we need to say, God, did you not do it in times past? Will you not do it again? Did you not speak it? Will you not fulfill your word? I like how the writer of Hebrews put it. In that great chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, he says this, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We need to remember and we need to speak of what God has done in his word and realize he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he has done for one, he will do for another. God is no respecter of persons. We need to also rehearse what God has done for others in, in contemporary, in, in our time, and, in our Church, in our sphere of influence, the testimonies that we hear, the life stories that we hear about. God has worked in your life. Don't forget it. It might have been 10 years ago. It might have been 20 years ago. Don't forget how God has worked in your life. I think of just how God has worked in the history of this church. God's fingerprint is upon this church and what he has done over the years. And I look back and that gives me courage, that gives me confidence, that gives me hope that what he's done in the past, he'll do in the future. You know, there have been times when God has has reduced us and God has uh, um, humbled us in times. I remember moving from, from Branch Avenue into Admiral Street, our second building, I remember a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in our our storefront. I remember the power of God touching people, people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, people being uh, impacted by the power of God, people coming under the power and just, just being so visibly shaken and touched by the power of God. And, and, that, and God used that to propel us into our next building or our second building. And, and that was a work of the Holy Spirit that, that brought us in. But you know what happened the first few months of going into our new building? We were reduced by 20% of our people. We had a few families through, no offense, just they had their own struggles. They just stopped coming to Church. And I remember this great momentum, this great excitement of getting into our new building. And then and then we 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 lost people, and and we, we I remember saying, God, how are we gonna pay the bills? How are we gonna do ministry? We got less people than when we were in a storefront. But you know, sometimes God breaks you down, God humbles you, God, God reduces you. Why? So that you will give him all the glory when he works you'll acknowledge him when he does it you'll give him all the honor and the glory and sometimes God does that in our life and and I look back and I see how God worked that out and and then still there are times when you you begin to question and wonder what is God going to do and and but you got to remember how he did it in the past you've got to recall you've got to you've got to tell the stories of of how God made a way where there was no way I remember being in Bible college and one of the our students, one of my classmates actually uh, got very sick and, and they had missed class for a few weeks and they had a call of God upon their life and they were really anointed and, and, and I remember they were going to leave the school and go back home. And it was one of those things where I just felt in my spirit that it wasn't the right choice and I knew they shouldn't because if they went back home probably wouldn't come back and they had a powerful anointing and a powerful call upon their life I remember one time in chapel or in our our class prayers as a class we began to pray and the Holy Spirit came upon me and I remember when you get you know when you get that unction that anointing, and I began to pray in the Spirit. Now, now understand, this is so spontaneous. This isn't something I worked up. It's not just I'm praying, but the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to pray in tongues, and I got this, this authority in me, and I, says, you, I just felt God saying, he is not to leave. I left that prayer meeting, and I went to his dorm, and I told him, I said, you are not to leave. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, controlling people or dictating to people's life, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I had this confidence, and you know what? The Lord confirmed it. He ended up, he, he, he went home, his father put him back on the, on the plane the next day, said, you're going back to school, you need to be in school <laughs> Thank God. Now he's in ministry doing a great work for God. God's using him mightily. But but it was one of those things where the spirit worked. And I'm telling you, God wants to touch his people his people and he wants us to remember he's a god of the impossible he's a god of the supernatural and he's got prophetic words he's got movings of the spirit he's got anointings that he wants to flow through his people so that we would would live with that tension and close that gap and realize you know what god wants to work today this past sunday um, pastor lynn uh, was with us we took her out to eat and, and we went, she wanted to, she has such a hunger for revival and, and the moves of the spirit, and she wanted to, um, to go to the campus, the original campus of Zion, and hear the story of the Bible college that Pastor Mike, Pastor Tara, my wife, graduated. Some of you have taken courses over the years, and, and, and she wanted to go by it, and, and we took her to East Providence to where the temple is, and, and the whole ministry of, of Zion Bible Institute that has trained literally thousands of people that have gone around the world, mission field, evangelists, pastors, teachers, church workers, thousands of them over the years. Here was a school that was started by a woman who came from French Guiana, South Africa, uh, South America, and, and she came just with no money, no resources. She just had literal visions and dreams and God began to show her a Bible college. And and, 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 and in 60 years, she raised up a Bible college for 60 years that never charged tuition. You lived there, you ate there, you were educated there, you spent your time there for, for three years. My wife and I, all we paid was a small registration fee of I think it was $50, $25, might have went up to 50 by the time we graduated a semester. This woman of God, and, and, and she was so anointed and so powerful, I had to get her book out and read it again and just to hear the stories of what God has done. But God has not changed He's the same God today. He wants to work in supernatural ways. And this story was not about something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not something that happened in another part of the world. This happened in East Providence, Rhode Island. And you know what, I was so blessed because here we are talking about about this story and here's Pastor Lynn. Here she is in the van, We're, we're sitting in the parking lot and we're telling the stories and I was sharing some of my experience. She was sitting on the edge of her seat listening. What a heart. What humility. You could talk to some people about the move of God. Nobody here this morning, I hope, and and they'll be distracted and they'll be looking around and they'll be talking about the the latest tweet or the, the latest Instagram post or TikTok or whatever when we're talking about the things of God, the workings of God, the miracles of God. And here she was, this woman of God, with such humility, with such a hunger, sitting at the end of her seat, so engaged in hearing of the stories of revival the stories of the power of God. We need to have that hunger again where we sit on the edge of our seat and want to hear what has God done? What has He done in times past? What has He done? The miracle-working power of God so that a generation can know that there is a God in Israel, that there is a God in victory. And you know what? what we do is we need to return to those places of victory. Gideon was saying, where are all the miracles God has done? We need to return to those places. Remember, Jesus' first miracle was done in John chapter 2 in Cana of Galilee, his first miracle where the Bible says he began to show his glory to his disciples. And then it says in John chapter 4 that Jesus returned to Galilee where he did his first miracle. You know what that speaks to me of? That speaks to me of, in our mind's eye, we have to return to places of victory. Jesus went back to Cana of Galilee because there was a miracle done there. There was a receptivity to his miracle working power. So he returned back there. You know, he went to Nazareth. And the Bible says that he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief and because they didn't appreciate him and they took him for granted. He only went; he didn't go back to Nazareth, but he went back to Cana of Galilee. What am I saying? We have to, in our mind's eye, in our heart, in our spirit, we need to return to places of victory. In human nature, sometimes we return over and over to places of defeat. Think about that. We need to return to places of victory. When God has worked, miracles he's done, visions he's given, prophetic words we receive, promises we receive, times God touched us, the Women of Judah Conference return to places of victory, not places of defeat. You see, we have to battle against human nature because human nature likes to dwell on the negative. I I read something recently. Research shows that If you lose $100 or if you find a $100 bill, you are twice as mad or angry as losing than is if you found it. What I mean by that is if you lost a $100 bill, you would be so mad at that. If you found a $100 bill, you'd only be a little happy. Just because of human nature, it's the same amount of money, but because of the way our brain is wired and has been affected by our sinful nature, we tend to, to focus on the negative and be more mad about that. I'm telling you, let's replace return to places of victory. This morning, we understand of what God could do as we live with that tension. When we fail, we need to say, I am the righteousness of Christ. When we feel insecure, we need to say, I am complete in Christ. When we are overwhelmed by the battle, we need to say, I am more than a conqueror. You see, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will close the gap in that tension, the truth of of who we are or where we are to who we are called to be. In reality of who we are going to become in Jesus. You see, people will try to hold you back. They'll try to remind you of your past. But we don't live in the past. We live in the present. Can you say amen? And we have a God who gives us a hope for the future. I like what Paul said. He says this one thing, I forget those things which are behind me, and I press on. That word press speaks of attention. He says, I forget those things which are be behind me, but I don't just sit back, uh, but, I, but I press on. I press forward to the upward call that is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I had a, just something that, that, that stirred my heart this past uh, couple of Wednesdays ago at the altar when I was praying for people. As I was praying for people, people that are sick, people that have children that are away from God, that are off track, people that have, have, have physical needs, people that have financial needs, and I just sense this burden as I'm praying, and you know what, the devil is a liar, and he tries to discourage us when we're praying, he tries to make us feel that it's hopeless, he tries to make us feel that things will never change, but my Bible says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My Bible says that I'm the head and not the tail. That I will lend and not borrow. Come on. And as I was praying, I began to think of this song. That we've seen broken bodies healed. We've seen mental health restored. We've seen prodigals come back home. Don't tell me he can't do it. And as I said that, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I felt it in my spirit. I felt it both as a defiance to the devil, but also reminding God, don't tell me he can't do it. God, I know that you can do it. I know you can do all things. Nothing is impossible with you, God. This morning, as we live with this tension and this struggle Some of you this morning, you're so close to a breakthrough. You're so close to a revival. You're so close to a new season. You're so close to something fresh God wants to do in your life. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I want you to declare that, that I know that my God can do all things. That I know that I am the righteousness of Christ. That I know that what He's spoken, He will Fulfill, he will bring it to pass. And as we begin to sing, whatever the Lord lays upon your heart, as we begin to sing, I want you to just move out of your seat. I want you to, to come and seek God, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray with you that the Holy Spirit of God would stir up within you that spirit that Gideon had, that he finally came into his destiny, finally came in to what God was speaking and what God was declaring. As we begin to sing, you move out of your seat, and you stand firmly, you stand confidently, and you tell God, God, it's your reputation that's at stake. God, I will overcome. I will be victorious. I will see a breakthrough. I will experience a revival, because it's your reputation, God. This is a sin-sick world. This world has gone crazy. This nation has gone crazy. We need to see God work. We need to see the church be the church. It's not going to happen by politicking. It's not going to happen by carrying signs. And, and not that any of that might be bad, but I'm just saying it's going to happen because the people of God pray. The people of God get revived. The people of God become the salt of the earth and the light of the world that we've been called to be. As we begin to sing, just move out of your seat. Just just come before God and, and if you're struggling with a sin I want you to come and I want you to say God I claim the righteousness of Christ that I am righteous I am holy I am a saint I am, I am set apart I am, I am a child of God this morning come on we're going to get the victory we're going to overcome in Jesus name you unravel me with a melody you surround